Deanna Lana's podcast. Wendy and Lana's podcast. Get literary, get literary. Woo! So I'm here with my friend Catherine. Hello, everybody. Hi, Catherine. Hey. We both just got back from Washington, D.C., where we were at a library conference, the largest library conference in the world, where 20,000 librarians are all in one place. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, which is just. Pretty much we could collaboratively win Jeopardy, like, again, like, forever. <laughs> like, we just take over it. A hundred like, times. hundred percent of the time. <laughs> I'm always the person you want on your trivia team. <laughs> yeah. As long as it's not about sports. Yeah. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. How many sports uh, people would be in that room? Not a I lot. Though, no, I'm better at sports since I started reading. Since you read Sports, sports Romance? romance. <laughs> Reason to read Sports Romance. Tough that boy. <laughs> And the thing that I think people don't realize about librarian conferences is when you, there are a surprising amount of librarians who drink and who can dance. And so a librarian dance party is not that bad. I mean, there's an awful lot of people like myself who dance with a lot of hand motions, um, like just more and more hand motions next to each other. And I was at a, there was the biggest one at ALA is the Mango Languages Dance Party that, that happens every year. And, and it was fun and everything, and they played, like, a lot of 90s jams that got everyone dancing Good. and things like that. At one point, a librarian on the dance floor, like, had a beer and just chugged it, like, <laughs> hardcore, in the middle of the dance floor. And then everyone cheered, and, am I at a librarian frat party right now? Like, <laughs> is that where we all are? And then they're just, like, started passing out shots, and people were literally chanting shots, shots, shots. Oh, my God. And I was like... Well, you had to help run a meeting I the had next to run, morning. Yeah, I had to run a meeting at 8.30. <laughs> I skipped it. I went to bed early because I had that 8.30 meeting. <laughs> That's hardcore, man. Hello and welcome to Getting Lit, Alon and Wendy's totally excellent literary podcast. This is series one, season three, episode five of our romance novel focused podcast. My name is Alana and I'm one of your hosts today. And I'm Wendy, your other host. Nice. <laughs> Today we are discussing him by Serena Bowen, and we have our special guest, Catherine. Welcome back to the podcast, Catherine. Hey, everybody. I was here a few months ago. The second repeat person after my husband, Matthew. The two people who we've invited back, and we are recording it on our side from Catherine, whose house, which is in Indianapolis, which is about an hour from Lafayette, where we usually are. Awesome. And we had to have her back. She has a prolific understanding of romance novels. Like, she's pretty much a heavy hitter in terms of it. She's like, if this were the draft, to use a sports metaphor, <laughs> then, then we would pick her the winningest. The <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what sport are you playing, Alana? I don't know. Maybe this we should readers, stop. Listeners, we are doing sports this time. We have entered the sports, sports. again. The sports A- after ball. Football, sportsiest sports ball. Sports. We're, we're reading my favorite subgenre of sports romance, hockey. Yes. Ho- gay Yay, hockey. Go Blues for beating the Bruins. Yay. <laughs> gay hockey. Yeah. Gay hockey, which is... A surprisingly interesting genre. Yeah. And we're recording this during June, which is Pride Month, Mm -hmm. and also right after the Stonewall anniversary. Yes. So June 28th, 1969, 50 years ago, was the Stonewall Uprising. And uh, that, of course, is basically the dawn of the um, 
and the start of gay pride. The first gay pride started one year later. And yeah, I actually, this last week when I was in DC, I got a chance to go to the museum, which is as in news, like you watch the nightly news. The, and so it's a museum about journalists and journalism. And they actually had a exhibit about the Stonewall uprising. And it was amazing. I'm actually going to share a couple of pictures with Alana to put on the blog. And I might've cried a little bit. Uh, <laughs> it was really well done. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That would be- I remember going to pride events in the eighties with my mom. Really? I can't imagine. Yeah, your mom is, is, yeah. is gay. Okay. Yeah. My family was modern before it was trendy. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah. When my parents divorced, yeah, she came out. So, and, you know, my parents are great and they're still great friends. And, and, uh, God, I think my mom's been with her current partner for 25 years, something like that. So that's great. But, uh, yeah, so it was, but it's funny going and looking at stuff and knowing where we are today versus where we were when I was like 10. We've made progress. We're not there yet, but we've made a lot of progress. Have we? <laughs> Like, we this, have. Let me tell you, as somebody has who me down. has, yeah, it's not great right now, but compared to the fear and living in a family that was closeted in the 80s, we're better today so than we were in the 80s. When your mom came out, did she have a partner? And then did you? Yeah, she dated a woman for about what she had a partner for. Oh, I was about seven until about 12, so about five years, and a wonderful African-American woman, and she really, like, it was really interesting, because her partner was very active in the gay and lesbian scene in Portland, so hmm. I got a lot of exposure, and got to see things, and it was, but at the same time, it was like when we were in Portland visiting her partner, you know, we were out, but when we went back to where I live and where I went to school, it was the most conservative area of the Portland metropolitan area, which coincidentally also happens to have, I think, the highest per capita lesbian population. However, heavily Mormon, very religious, and you just didn't talk about it. And I didn't talk, I didn't really start being open about it until I was in college. And I think it's just because of how religious our community was so uh, what ages and did you live with with one of your your mom's partners or was it just Jewish? yeah from the time of like six or seven she was with one partner and then her current partner she got with her when i want to say i was like 14 or so so yeah 13 or 14 i can't remember the my mom would tell me what date it was i was in middle school and and she's still with her yeah so and she dated one or two people in between very briefly. And then, but yeah, my mom's been with her current partner. God. And we all had holidays together. Like for a long time, we had split holidays, like where I'd have to run from house to house. And when I was in my twenties, I got sick of it. And so I just said to everybody, we're having Christmas at my house. <laughs> so Christmas Eve, everybody came and it's continued on. And it's funny because my two brothers basically trade off since I don't live there anymore. And everybody comes, like my mom and her partner, my dad, my stepmom, all the various kids, half-siblings, full-siblings, their grandkids, their stepkids. It's a big party on Christmas Eve. So, you know, we're all family. We were modern before it was trendy. (laughs) That's cool. So I'm an emotional person. And this, (laughs) this book 
was hard for me because it was a lot of really true things about being closeted, about being gay in the real world. And though I don't have any immediate experience, you know, one of my best friends has always been gay and he's one of those golden gays who is like, you just know. (laughs) (laughs) I had a friend in high school like that. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because my mom was like, you should date him. I'm like, mom, why do you always point out my friends that happen to be gay? (laughs) Though he doesn't know it yet. So don't say anything. (laughs) And he hadn't figured it out yet. He didn't figure it out until he went to college. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, go Huskies. (laughs) We're both Huskies. (laughs) I mean. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And, you know, there's people where you don't know. Like, my older sister is gay. And I did not know that she was gay. But my mom was like, I was like, Mom, did you know? And she's like, yeah, I kind of have always known that (laughs) my sister was gay. And I was like, and then she'd bring up all these examples of, like, like, she was, like, really emotionally attached to several of her female teachers. And I just thought she was just clingy. And I'm like, oh, right. Yeah, you put it together. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a breath blessing and a curse, right? Because your friend was so clearly gay or, mm-hmm. or, or knew he was gay from such a young age. And there's sort of a back and forth in this story. I think we'll get into the book. of One character who is gay and kind of knew he was gay. And one character who's sort of bisexual and doesn't really know where the line is. And a lot of the book's conflict is about his journey mm-hmm. into his gayness. Right? <laughs> yeah. Ooh, something we can talk about, too. By erasure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is something that the book only talks about coming out as gay and doesn't really want to deal with that. I mean, it tries to better than a lot of things. Like a lot of people go, oh, you just haven't figured out you're gay. By erasure is where people don't want to acknowledge that people are in fact bi. And so they're like, oh, they just haven't figured out they're a lesbian or that they're gay yet, fully gay yet, or they're not willing to accept it. And the fact is, I think if they, with studies, it's a spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like, I would consider myself mostly straight, but I can be convinced with the right person. But and there's people where. And yeah. I would consider myself, I don't know, like sexuality fluid. I'm not so sure. But gender fluidity. Uh-huh. I definitely feel in which there are times in which I feel more masculine than feminine um, in terms of how I interact with society quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But let's move back a little bit <laughs> and let's talk about Wendy. What did you think of the book? I loved it. Yay! <laughs> I was really surprised. I Okay, okay, just to go back for readers don't know. This is a gay hockey romance novel of two best friends who come together and then fall in love. That's and we much probably should give the title and the hint it's I called did. Him. Him by Serena Bowman. And yeah. there's a second one. Uh, is it uh, us? Us is number 2. Yeah, but no, it's two authors on it. Oh, for the yeah. same one. Yeah, oh, no, on both um, of them. It's yeah. Serena Brown Bowen and I want to say L Kennedy. Yeah, L okay. L Kennedy. L yeah, L Kennedy. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so the cover of this book, let me tell you, starts <laughs> as a romance <laughs> because we got yourself some cut abs. From a guy <laughs> pulling up his shirt and holding a hockey stick, which is possibly yeah, it's a guy in a white tee holding up his shirt with like a a hockey a hockey stick next to it, and it's just ass. It's just I like to believe just that that's abs. I like to believe that's his. I think they yeah, called it a grinder, but basically his grinder profile. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I thought that was so great when he says that that's his profile picture is just his abs. But <laughs> yeah, they they call it brander, but we all know it's. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I mean, there's a whole genre of like shirtless dudes holding one thing to show what 
thing they do. <laughs> it's like shirtless dude with a gun because he's a secret agent. Shirtless dude with like a, a har- gun harness because he's a policeman. Shirtless dude. <laughs> shirtless dude with a flower. Shirtless dude with. <laughs> Yeah, I just freaking love it. Like shirtless dude wearing like a fireman's hat. It's like, dude, welcome you, to gay romance. You can't go into the fire without your <laughs> the rest of this. You're half dressed for your job and you're going to die. Like all of it just makes no sense. Like just shirtless dudes plus a thing. It's like the yeah. example of like a porno where it's like shirtless dudes. And dude it's so plus different than the cover from last month. We talked a lot about how E.L. James tries to not put shirtless dudes on the cover yeah. of her books to make them look more like so they can be not in the erotica section and this is a book that like totally leaned into leaned into 100 percent. yeah yeah it's just like listen this is gonna be a smutty book you can show us because we literally like i mean there's no way that he just like what he just lifts up his shirt and he like skates into the hockey rink right like no you would get cold He'd be you chilly. would get there. they're wearing sweaters yeah so. yeah 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 <laughs> but we needed to see that and he looks like he's like wearing spanks i haven't even looked at it but his pants are like barely there you know yeah. of course because you know you gotta make them look and it's so yeah. great when it's like much like a fireman <laughs> a hockey player wears so much stuff like they wear like tons of pads and a helmet and everywhere and so you can't fucking see them (laughs) so (laughs) i always think that they should do like swimming because at least like (laughs) you can get away with being mostly naked in swimming everybody walking around hey i have found some swimming gay romance novels i love that you have found it as if you have seeking that's not a word (laughs) i've read it uh actually he was a water polo player Water polo. No. They have oh, yeah, those water funny polo hats, though. That's not sexy. These ma- these masculine sports genres, right? It's not like <laughs> figure skating or something. Yeah. Actually, I, there are is a great, fun uh, romance that pairs a hockey player with a male figure skater. Nice. Oh, that's adorable. So, but which you know is all those whoever wrote this loves the cutting edge. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. I'm gonna be a little bit. All right. No one's asked me, but but like, what did you think of the book? I want it. <laughs> What did you I, think of the I book? I thought it was good, but I feel like such a Wendy right now because I wanted more talking about feelings. Really? I wanted more feelings talk. Second book <laughs> called Us. Yeah, that's yeah. the book yeah. for for them dealing with like what it means to be in a long term relationship. I felt like there was a lot of like bro stuff going on, and I was like, all right, we're doing this because they're bros. Like you know, it's hard to write a voice. And I guess we were really going for that bro talk voice. So that was hard for me to get over. But the whole emotional journey that they had was very real to me. And they were very vulnerable and they were very honest to each other, which is hard to find. I really liked the first first act of, well, maybe it's like the second part of the first act in which he sort of comes, Wes comes out as gay after they'd had this interchange like four years ago this kind of sexual encounter and he had seen it as like oh i tricked this other guy into this sexual encounter with me but jamie sees it as this is something about this caused him to lose his best friend so he sees it it's kind of colored that whole experience that he sort of lost his best friend from this experience and he's still trying to figure out why so it's you know 
he's really conflicted and he sees this, Wes sees it as this moment of pining, but but Jamie sees it as this thing that caused the end of like a very important relationship in Jamie's life. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really thoughtful as an idea of like, oh, you see it as this sexual encounter, but Jamie sees it as this emotional encounter where he lost his friend Mm -hmm. and he doesn't really know exactly what about it caused Wes to not speak to him ever again, right? He's really conflicted about the whole thing. There's a lot of emotions there. And I liked that part, but then the entirety of the second act, I felt like, all right, so me and Wendy both worked at Girl Scout camp together, Mm -hmm. all right? And it was Girl Scout camp, so girls. So there's a lot of sexual encounters between women that happened at this Girl Scout camp. Yeah. And everybody knew about it, right? Like, I mean, I don't think it was a hidden experience. So the idea that they that, that all the other people at this hockey camp wouldn't, like, have heard <laughs> about this encounter was, like, incredibly unrealistic as a person who has worked at a summer camp. Well, interestingly, though... The coach acknowledges in the final act that, dude, you guys actually kept it under wraps, yeah. and most people do not. But at the well, same time, they, I mean, I mean, the, people would those, figure it out. What'd you people say? People would figure it out. Yeah, people would figure it out. There'd be too many longing looks and across the dining yeah. hall, and of course, I don't know. I felt like there wasn't enough conflict in that part of the story, and it was more like a lot of time for Jamie's emotional journey. Which I, like, found interesting, but I wish there'd been more actual conflict in that part of the story. Another point, though, Alana, is that, like, that was a... Our particular Girl Scout camp was a very... Relatively a very nurturing environment for lesbians, you know? I mean, there were a lot of people who were gay and they were in a relationship and and that was fine with all of the counselors as long as they didn't say it. And remember how there was that one woman that came halfway through and then left shortly afterwards because you found out there were so many gay people (laughs) and she wasn't okay with it? Do you remember she thought I was gay? That was so oh, funny. Yeah. I was the first person she thought was gay. Just because I was hanging out with Dandy and we were just like, I don't know, tickling oh. or something or doing something silly. Yeah. But <laughs> this poor woman and her anti-gay values, like, <laughs> hightailed it out of there. Like, obviously, this place with hockey and masculinity and sports probably does not have, like, I understand the pat is, like, keep it on the DL, but they could be more encouraging or whatever but yeah i just say yeah but, you know. and also like i was just really worried for wes most of the time because i used to joke about this thing called camp gay where <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> you go to girl yeah. scout camp you hook up with a girl you leave girl scout camp suddenly you have a boyfriend <laughs> you know like yeah and there's a lot of people who would uh, d- develop a relationship with another counselor and then yeah they just like and it was pretty traumatic for the other person yeah that people and you could tell that wes understood this about maybe his relationship with jamie and also like i was kind of sad that what jamie is so overpowered in the story and his ability to understand his own emotions (laughs) in that he wes clearly is like planning to self-sabotage. And he self-sabotaged this relationship before Mm -hmm. um, by not speaking to Jamie for four years. And I was surprised that, like, Jamie was able to immediately realize that, like, 
he literally moves to Toronto on the blind faith that, like, Wes is basically going through a phase that he doesn't want. And yeah. I felt that to be, like, who is that centered that they can see that their partner is, like, says that they want this relationship to end, but they don't really? Like, I felt that was, like, wow, you really understand this on a level that, like, other people don't in the story. Also, like, what um, are you going to do when you go to Toronto and he's like, no. <laughs> like, uh, let's say... Book two is all about, oh, wow, Toronto is a lot more complicated than I thought. Yeah. Which I felt like, I felt like, come on, Jamie. That's not how real life works. Jamie, like, well, I wanted to have, like, Jamie an intervention. Jamie is a like, simple soul, all right? <laughs> let's just say Jamie gets his 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 comeuppance and, and realizes how tough things are going to be in the second book. I mean, yeah. maybe, we should, maybe we should mention a little yeah, bit about yeah. the plot of this book. So... Wes has always been gay, and he, you know, came to this realization somewhere in high school. Jamie has always been straight, and they were friends in this hockey camp since from, like, middle school to high school. And then Wes dares him to allow him to blow him. <laughs> if, if, if he went to sh- uh, basically whoever loses the shutout has to blow the other. Yeah. And then they have this sexual encounter, and then and then Wes just, like, drops off the face of the earth because he's in love with Jamie, and he knows that Jamie is straight, or thinks that he's J- Jamie is straight. So they meet up again, <laughs> and then Wes is like, keep your shit together, you're still in love with him, stop fucking coming on to him, and, like, he can't help himself. And then Jamie is like... Oh, look, there's my best friend. <laughs> and he just like, just kind of calmly walks through this experience of gender crisis. Like, <laughs> I was like, you are taking this awfully well. <laughs> he is from California, though. He is from California. You keep I saying mean, that. I'm sorry. Like, I'm joking. Joke. It's the joke. Yeah, it's, it's a joke. They like say, like, basically, he should be able to figure this out because he's from California. Yeah. That, like, they make that joke many times. <laughs> yeah. And he's not just from California, he's from Northern California, the Bay I mean, (laughs) he's 22, and also they're super young. He's 22 in this book, so I guess that's allowed. I guess you can have a bisexual gender identity at 22. Like, that kind of makes sense. But also, like, that was, like, the first time you watch gay porn, and I was like, really? Really? (laughs) You've never, like, even seen anything? Like, I mean, like, he was just like... And also, like, thank God for a penis, because it was like a litmus test of, like, do I like women? Let's watch women porn. (laughs) Yes, my dick says I like women. Do I like men? Let's watch men porn. Yes, my dick says I like men. Like, (laughs) I really do feel like Jamie's dick should get a supporting actor (laughs) accreditation for this, because that character has motivations beyond any other in this book. Like, he is the true protagonist of this story. I think they say that he's, what, it's an equal opportunity. <laughs> yeah, he uses this he, like, watches, like, gay porn or whatever, and then it, like, takes him a while to, like, get used to it. And he doesn't really resolve it in that, like, he really mostly just likes Jamie. I mean, just likes Wes, right? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and so, that for that matter, that, like, they discuss bi, but maybe he's pan. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, is this book, yeah, it's just like, which, man, what a crazy path for a person. 
And he takes uh, it really well. Like He takes it very the, well. The other thing that I had a hard time with this book is that for the same reason that I don't like books like uh, The Wedding Date, where a woman dates a fuckboy and then... And they, like, mostly sleep around, and then he eventually comes to love her, and then they have a real relationship. Like, yeah, like, he's waiting for the one, yeah, you know, and that will change all of his yeah, behaviors like, towards all of his partners. Like, that's not real life. Like, like 90% <laughs> of the time, you date a fuckboy, he continues to be a fuckboy. And you're just, like, sitting around waiting for something to happen that is not true. Like, I love romances. I love the fantasy aspect of it. But sometimes I'm like... You're giving people false hope, dude. Like, just just <laughs> reel it back in, you know? <laughs> we also need to learn to protect ourselves from people who take advantage of us. And this kind of situation with a guy who is closeted and gay and a guy who is straight and questioning, and they're in this, like, secluded area that doesn't have a lot of external, like influence so they can do what they want like that is a recipe for disaster because normal masculinity in this day and age still like still can fuck you over (laughs) jamie is like almost completely unaffected by the masculinity phobia of gayness which is very real in this day and age and he's just like all right (laughs) yeah when it's like and he doesn't really hate himself at all for his decision there's no shame there's no hate he's like oh well this is weird but okay and while that's like amazing and i wish that that happened more often i also am really worried for those people (laughs) who are gay it's kind of like like, the, the opposite is wes who had an inclination when he had an encounter with jamie that he was gay but he actually didn't really fully realize it until the next year high school and he felt really really guilty and and it really freaked him out and they discussed that in the book how much Wes coming to terms with it was difficult for him and so that's one of the reasons he cut Jamie out like he was just so confused over all of it it was the polar opposite reaction of what Jamie had this is good for fantasy but I feel like a person who has been raised and spent a lot of time in locker rooms basically would not oh, have yeah. some sort of internalized misogyny yeah. or hatred of of like, or toxic man- masculinity that one would have to work through, even if one was from Northern California. The fact that he spends literally almost all of his time in college playing for this hockey team, I think would create some sort of toxic At least it's a hockey team in Seattle. It's a hockey team in Seattle. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> also, but, yeah, also so at the end of the book, Wes joins a hockey team in canada i was like Uh you are going to the holy grail for gay people sir (laughs) you are going to a place that is nice and awesome like you don't have to worry yeah but they are really worried and that's the whole plot of the second book is them dealing with the fact that they're afraid of somebody finding out well it seems like and the book doesn't really do this and maybe it does in the second book like jamie is much more vulnerable in his work with children to people yeah. having concerns over his sexuality. Mm-hmm. I mean, just this last week, there was a back and forth about gay teachers in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis and whether or not you can dismiss a person for being gay. 
and still be seen as okay. Well, if you could not dismiss a person for being gay and not and not fear censure from the archdiocese. Diocese. Arch, sorry, I'm having trouble saying that. Diocese. Archdiocese of, of Indianapolis. And also, if you refuse to use a child's chosen pronouns, if that also, and you get fired for not, for violating a policy at your institution, if that also is against your freedom of speech. So I think that there are gender, real gender issues, particularly in Jamie's decision to work with children, mm-hmm. that will cause more problems than we expect in general. But I also wanted to bring up, and I was talking to Catherine about it beforehand, the interesting interplay in the final... So, basically, Wes comes out to his publicist that he is gay, and everyone's like, yeah, we kind of know already. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone freaking knows. I don't know why you think no one knows, Wes. Like, you're on Grindr 100% of the time, it sounds like. (laughs) And also, like, that they were sort of congratulating themselves for choosing a gay man who was in a monogamous relationship. And it does lead to an interesting interchange about... What, like, we're, we're kind of okay as a society with people who have, like, sexual norms that are closer to our understanding as monogamous heterosexual people. But when it stops looking like that, and you are, say, like, polyamorous person, how does that, where is the line for us as a society where, where you reach this kind of idea of, I think in general, sort of an anti-promiscuity background in that interchange that was interesting in terms of what we still are not comfortable with about people's sexuality, right? Mm-hmm. And, and admittedly, like, the whole focus of this gay romance is a very monogamous relationship where they love each other, they're happy with each other, they really want to spend all their time with each other, they go to freaking Ikea, basically, together yeah. later in the story, right? Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying not to laugh. That is... Yeah, like, I mean, also... like, what is more heterosexual than a trip to Ikea, right? Uh, and then they buy a couch, and they buy the broiest couch I can think of, like a brown yeah. leather one. Mm-hmm. And also they uh, they fight over towels. He can't believe he had to go to the freaking mall. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this is supposed to be the advantage of, of not, yeah, not yeah. having That's a woman. So- um no so yeah but anyway also the other thing is that they're emotional virgins like they're both emotional virgins like these two have only loved each other you know yeah and why do i want to call him patrick jamie figured that out later in the novel as well jamie was like i've never fallen in love with a woman i've only fallen in love with you so that's another thing that's like extra monogamous. <laughs> like, <But> it's <laughs> it's interesting because to help prepare me this morning, I was rewatching a season of Queer as Folk because <laughs> I love that TV show. And one of the big discussions that they have throughout that entire series is people are really happy, especially in the final season. They're more accepting the traditional heteronormative ideal of. A couple, mm-hmm. as opposed to, let's say, people who have an open relationship, mm-hmm. and which is very much also very accepted with um, among queer communities. And it's just kind of one of those things, like, what are people... And it's, it's funny, if you explore gay romance, you will find a variety of authors, so a lot of them write very traditional heteronormative, but you also see a lot of people exploring more polyamorous relationships as well. So, but I mean, you don't find those commonly in the bookstore. You have to dive deep into to your Amazon Kindle land. And this was one of the first New York Times gay romance bestsellers, right? Like as a book 
Like, I mean, not to say like there haven't been a whole lot of them. But yeah, well, this this isn't the first. Like, this did really well, and it's funny because an uh, author that we talked about last time. I discovered this book because Suzanne Brockman was like, this is an amazing book. Read it. And so I'm like, okay, I'll read this book. And that's how I discovered. It's interesting because you take this book and you take away all of the, like, an extra dick and too much bro talk. Yeah. You take away the extra dick and you take away the bro talk. It is a love story that is typical of romance. Yes. Oh, and I know what I was going to say. I remember now. There's a lot of straight women who like to read gay romance. And I was trying to figure out why this is, because I really like to read gay romance. Even though I will say I grew up reading everything. I'm like, you could not not do that in my Mm -hmm. family. And part of it is that I think is interesting is in traditional heterosexual romance, you still have so much going on with like traditional patriarchy. And one of the things I like about gay romance is sometimes I feel like the partners are a little bit more equal. Yeah. And I find that really attractive when I'm reading it. I I was talking to my sister Katie who reads a lot of slash fiction and fan fiction. And I was like, is that why? And she's like, oh, yeah, totally. Because, you know, slash fiction, it's like dudes on dudes. But you read them and they don't sound like dudes. Like <laughs> it's about a more equal relationship because even in traditional romance, what there's we still normally a power think balance. of, like Regency romance, everything else, there's still that patriarchal mm-hmm. and the way that the women and men respond to each other. It's not quite so equal. Yeah, um, and if you like, and- yeah, even in yeah, even in this novel where there's gonna be a pretty large income gap between their two lives. They still have a very equal relationship with each other Mm -hmm. in terms of this relationship. And you don't have as much of, I just want to help. Like, Jamie's not like, oh, I just want to help you. Mm -hmm. Like, it's very much like, dude, bro, we really have to figure out this whole buying stuff for our apartment thing because, like, we need furniture. (laughs) Which I thought was a little bit... That's true. It is a much more... Because the norms are different... But there are, I will say, there are tropes of romance novel in here. Yes, like agreed. there is with the lack of vaginas. There's still a case of magic vagina. Here, yes, yes, right. Even Wes, who is sexually active, is very much like this is the most amazing sexual relationship he could possibly have had, mm-hmm. right? And it's just better because of magic, right? Yeah. And there is there is that part of it that I think comes out pretty clearly. And it's agreed. almost like. It tries to say that Jamie is bisexual in actuality, but a lot of the book is writing on, like, he turned me. Like, there's a lot writing on Jamie going, I'm just attracted to Wes, which is, like, the biggest power fuck ever. Can you imagine, like, somebody just, like, just sexually attracted to you? That's, like, monogamy, like, to the thousand percent. That's true. I mean, it's like the ultimate monogamous thing in that you don't even like other people of that sex, basically. I would say this, though. And it's funny because I've been thinking about sexuality and as well as romantic attraction lately. And I think, actually, he says he's attracted to men and women. What He's just romantically attracted to Wes. Yeah. And that's the only person he's ever been romantically attracted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Though I will say that he has an amazingly emotional relationship with his ex-girlfriend. Yes, they're really good. Yeah, I feel bad for her. They are really, which which like I think undercuts the idea because clearly they have an emotional relationship. Despite the fact that 
they're clearly like fuck buddies in this story, but and you can tell that the the lady she what's her name? Holly. Holly is like clearly wants something more and he kinda keeps her And she's smart, she's going to medical school. And she's smart, she's going to medical school. And there was like I will say that like but but they so that kind of undercuts they clearly have an emotional relationship, right? Like he's not just having these vague sexual encounters with these other women. And I think it's because like I don't think the author could treat Holly badly because no. they like them so much. Um, which is, I mean, I like because one of the one of the things that is my pet peeve is when women treat other women badly, and I feel like Holly treats Wes, at least in theory, as very nicely, mm-hmm. right? Like they're able, you're able to have more than one smart romantic lead in the story, and even before Holly knows that the him is a the her is a him mm-hmm. that she's been replaced with, she still is very much understanding of Jamie's decision, right? Which is not how I would be. They are they are shockingly adult in this book. They're they are so very adult. adult in this book. <laughs> There's so much like, consent. There's so much checking in with each other. She's like Holly's like a paragon of women who don't get what they want. <laughs> Um, I felt bad for Holly because, you know, it just, that happens a lot. And then, but also I was like, it was also kind of refreshing because relationships, friendships are hard and there's a lot of friendships that are made and broken when it comes to sex. And I think that they were able to maintain their friendship, which is surprising and not that great for Holly, but... (laughs) But also, Jamie really needed that support. And I guess Holly is his only friend. And so... Yeah, yeah, which is surprising because Jamie, like, is the sort of person you think to have a lot of friends, right? It's interesting, though, because I think that's a big challenge in the second book is he actually doesn't make friends well. No. He's very friendly. And I kind of... I will say I personally understand that. People think I'm very outgoing and that I'm extroverted. And I am to a point, but I'm also really private. And I think a lot of that might be because of how I grew up in the 80s and 90s. So it takes a while for me to warm up to people. And so, like, once you become my friend, God help you, you are my friend for life. Alana, just a warning. I, <laughs> um, so, and Wendy. me everywhere. Yeah. Um, so, but it's like one of those things. I, it takes a while. You yeah. know, I kind of get it because I think that if. If I put myself in Jamie's shoes, and I kind of can in some ways, like, think about how he's think. I'm like, I, especially, and part of it is I have the context that I read the sequel. That's a big challenge for him. And yeah. as being, doing that. But um, at the same time, masculinity does not allow for a lot of deep friendships. So it's There's actually some really interesting studies about that. Yeah. About the fact that boys will have close friendships. And then around 10, 11, 12, they're basically are told to put those friendships away. And unfortunately, that means women have to then carry oh also God. their, be the only <laughs> emotional support, mm-hmm. which is a problem. I mean, which is a big problem, yeah. right? Like, I think one of the biggest things I see in particular with my female friends is having to shoulder the burden of their mm-hmm. partners, like, and I know, like, because they don't have anyone else to talk to. Yeah. yeah. And, As far as, like, dating goes, interesting because sometimes when I date someone, a guy, obviously, and he hasn't been dating a while, 
like he just wants to be touched. Like that's happened multiple times where like where he's just like touch me. And I'm like, you don't get this anywhere else. Like, are you dating so that you can be touched? That's the reality of this world right now. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting that we're having this conversation a lot about masculinity and there's a lot of absence of it. The toxic aspects of masculinity within this book, <laughs> as far as how Jamie is experiencing it. And Jamie has a very real world. I mean, it has a very uh, nurturing family life. So that that's not a problem. Wes has to deal with most of it. And there, you only see like glimpses of the bullshit that comes with being gay. And even then I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> like, I'm so sad for him. I'm so sad for Wes and his evil father and being called a faggot in real world. And, like, having to hide himself. The thing that kills me about Wes's situation is that he's not out, but he's not not out. When, in the beginning, when he's in this, uh, in his hockey team. But it's like, like, even then, he feels comfortable with it. Because, or as comfortable as he can be, because that's what he thinks he can expect. But that's not it. Like, you are still distanced from the rest of the world for not being completely out. Like, you still have a distance. And that that still, like, kills me. So I don't think I can handle the next book. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the next book, which is wonderful, because I loved it as much. I actually think I love it even more. Because Jamie kind of goes into all this kind of a bit naively. And you feel that. And that's what you guys are both describing. He's kind of naive about this. Mm-hmm. And really, the second book's about working through reality. Oh, my God. I would come and, into and this situation so naively. I have it, such camaraderie really with I, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jamie really, he doesn't, he, even by the end of the book, he's really not willing to embrace the fact that he's about to live his life as a gay yeah, man. Yeah, he does He not. hasn't got it yet. He, he hasn't really understood. Like, he's like, I'm attracted to Jamie, and I love Jamie, and, like, and clearly, like, they have a very strong relationship. Mm-hmm. But he's about to live his life as a gay man. Yeah. And he doesn't really understand it. I hate to be that way about it, because I think that our society should be able to understand that a little bit better but yeah you do feel like you're waiting for the other shoe to drop in terms of this especially when they're in this small town in upstate new york um you know working at this hockey camp and about the ideas of masculinity that are clearly surfacing there in this sort of like secret environment in which the only way that you can access it is through this app right and then you see that there are other gay people in this community, but they're not. It's not something that's clear to Jamie mm-hmm. um, at that part in the story, and I don't think he truly understands that it's not clear because those people have been closeted in some way, right? And he doesn't get what it is to be closeted until the. It, that's the whole precipice. You know, like it's the whole thing about the second book. That's really what it's about. Yeah, yeah, because I think this book also exists in this sort of fantasy um, that women have of just two men that are outwardly heterosexual to the point of ridiculousness, hockey players, right? Mm-hmm. One of the most heterosexual items of our interest that we can kind of create this elaborate environment where they can also um, 
be into each other, but that doesn't really deal with the true ramifications of how they're going to be treated. Yeah. Right. And, and so it, I mean, I, I think romance novels are always about fantasy. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I don't want to like completely force this book to be that way, but I do feel like it's fantastical. Right. It it is. And that's fantastical. I agree. That's, that's the thing about the, this book is it is, it's a bit of a fantasy. Mm-hmm. And the this next the second book is all about okay now let's bring it down to reality. Well, yeah, and even the way that people respond to this is so is so much in the realm romance is fantasy, and that no one seems to have any problem. One of the things I see with my friends who have come out, and a little bit with my sister who, when she came out, is this feeling of betrayal people have as if you were hiding it from them. Right? Mm-hmm. People feel have a surprising amount of betrayal where they feel as if. They weren't told because they weren't able to handle it. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of emotions that go with coming out that don't really show up in the story. You need to read the second okay, book. yeah, I guess that. <laughs> but, but I also felt like that's part of this romantical, fantastical universe that the book happens in, in which we're able to sort of, I mean, Lord save us, we're three white women talking about mm-hmm. about a gay romance novel. <laughs> yeah. It's supposed to, and we're clearly the audience for this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... And I think that we're able to sort of get our kicks and still fit situated in this monogamous, heterosexual world. Mm-hmm. Like, we're able to put them into a spot where by the end of the story, this ends very much like, the only thing missing from this is a baby. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. very fairy tale. He, it's very if, much the normal ending of a if romance If, like, novel. Wes came home and was like, I'm pregnant! Yeah. <laughs> 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 and be like, all right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like they move to a new town. They move in together. They're just they're buying be very fucking happy. towels. They're, they're buying fucking towels, right? They're having a lot of excellent sex. Like, like that's it. it it's the normal end. And yeah, you're expecting them to be like, and I've got a little surprise. Uh-huh. Like, and then you know, basically, Jamie is pregnant, right? <laughs> Jamie or Wes, or maybe they're both pregnant. <laughs> that would be the ultimate fantasy. Uh-huh. Also, like. I mean, it's good to point out that it's us three white women, <laughs> but but also, <laughs> it's good to point out that it's just us three white women, but also, it's us three white women who are totally okay with gayness. Like, we're, yes. you know, we're all pro-LGBTQ. Like, there's not a woman who's going to pick this up, who's going to read it, and not be pro-LGBTQ. So, like, this kind of fantasy where there is a world that men can come to their sexuality, no matter their position in life, even living in the most masculine, one of the most masculine places in the world, like, as a professional, like, sports player like (laughs) that they can come together and fall in love and be together is like the height of fantasy and that is also like and specifically that they can do so without any misogyny at all like they're so pro-women throughout the whole story and you know it's like it's like a tangent of what we're seeking which is unconditional love you know I feel like one of the reasons why a lot of women like gay men is because women know that we're fucking lower on the totem pole. And if they can have something, then we can have something. It's a, we're both marginalized. Yeah, in different ways. Yeah. Being LGBTQ and being, being a woman in different ways. So to have this ultimate thing, which, you know, like LGBTQ probably is 
I mean, if you want to put it on a scale, it's probably harder than being a woman. <laughs> you know, it's the ultimate coming together and being accepted. So yeah, it's totally fantasy. And they're super hot, by the way. And that was some hot sex by the scenes. Way, also, I'm 100% into it. I was like, oh my into God, it. Yes. Okay, I felt, but I will say I felt really uncomfortable with the explicitness of the two 17-year-olds early in That the was a little weird. <laughs> like, I was watching this and I'm like, this is a very explicit sex scene of the blowjob. And I was like, ew, these are underage men. Right, like technically, I was a, the age of consent is like sixteen in most. Okay, states. yeah, and I know one of them was at least one of them was eighteen, but that made me a little uncomfortable at that part of the story. But there is an awful lot of sex in this mm-hmm. book. The yes. thing I I messaged Catherine about this book, and I'm like, there are so many erections in this book. People are erect one hundred percent of the time. <laughs> like that sounds exhausting. Like I just want to be like. Are you guys okay? Like, is this okay for you guys? Because this sounds exhausting. <laughs> my, I would say that if you asked my very gay Uncle Mike, he would tell you this is typical. <laughs> He's like, men are hound dogs. We sleep with everybody. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Well, and I, and I, I imagine that, like, if you were two gay men, two, two men together, like, maybe you would have, like, a lot more sex than, like... Man, you know what I was thinking would happen? I, I'm surprised... I didn't even look into the next book because I should have known that it would like the amount of seriousness that goes on in this book. Of course, it would be a continuation of their relationship. Oh, my God. If you but, if you got upset on this book, just be but, warned. The second book will get you more upset. <laughs> Considering that the second book is a continuation of the story instead of moving on to new characters, which I should have known because they because it's a very serious book. And of course, it would continue to go on with that character matchup but i was thinking that it was gonna be like a fun romance and i thought it was going to like continue move on to a different couple and i was like is the whole hockey team going to be secretly gay oh my god (laughs) there there oh that sounds so good okay there are gay hockey romance series where the whole team seems to come out as, as Hell, gay. yeah. However, in this series... Which the, sounds amazing. Oh my god, I can totally make you recommendations. Because I've read a lot of them. Thank you, Kindle Unlimited. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it takes you a bit out of the fantasy and into the reality of long term. But what's really cool is it introduces some other characters, which starts a new series for them, which is the Wags, so Wives and Girlfriends. And so Jamie's sister, Jess, and a character that's introduced in the second book, Blake, basically, it's their romance. And Blake is on, on the team. Mm-hmm. And then there's a um, – and by the way, they all happen to, like, have pit bulls. Like they have, every cover has has a really handsome man with his with his dog. Oh uh, my god! And <laughs> yes, uh, one is called Good Boy, and the other is called Stay. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, so double you, check you get mark. Introduced to a couple, I'm on it. <laughs> yeah, you get introduced to a couple characters in the second books that then get their own romances, and very good, but. If you're ever looking for one, I totally know one's romances where uh, uh, 
the entire series is about basically slowly the entire team coming out. <laughs> Catherine, if you have, like, if you want to write up a list of recommendations, I'll put it on the blog. I do. I've already started the list, so <laughs> yeah, I can pass yeah. that along. The background Good. listeners is that is that basically when we first started talking about romance novels, and she's the one that recommended the, the sports one, uh-huh. she's like, you know, my actual favorite is gay hockey. And I was like, how many books can there be in gay hockey? And the oh, answer is quite a quite bit. A, a lot. Bit. Quite a bit. And I'm going to go back a little bit, and I realized we never talked about what we were drinking. Yes. So, uh, Catherine made um, a... you want to tell them about your drink? The drink? I- I'm calling it the Purple Skittle. It's really <laughs> a variation on the Purple Haze Martini. And I discovered when I was looking at purple cocktails that there's like 5,000 recipes for Purple Haze. In this case, because of the color and even the flavor, like I think the mixture of flavors, it does taste like a grape Skittle. And what it is, is, and well, I'll make sure I pass along the recipe, but it's basically vodka, cranberry juice, blue carousel, and chambord. And it is delicious. It tastes exactly like a grape Skittle. <laughs> and grape Skittles are important in the story because they're like a symbol of the friendship. Yeah. That Jamie and Wes have for each other. <sighs> I think, honestly, that is a purple Skittles. I'm like, that is Wes's... That is like his biggest redeeming quality is the fact that that is his favorite Skittle. Cause is that is that the best chip Skittle according to, to you? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it seems like such a it's such a high school teenage thing to have an opinion about different types of Skittles too. Like I felt like that was very much like centered the story, yeah. right? Like, and also, okay, so they have this gift box that they send each other with like gag so gifts. Cute. Jamie buys like 12 bags of Skittles and then separates every single Skittle that is purple out to give him an entire box of Skittles. Like, how can you not cry at that? That's amazing. And this is when they're friends. When you like look back on it, you're kind of like, that's like a lot of work for a friend. (laughs) (laughs) For a friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still have to laugh at the same way. Where Jamie's trying to make things better as adults, and he leaves a box of Skittles on the bed. <laughs> and, oh, and he hit, and then and then Wes hits his head on it, yeah. and it sends Skittles all over the room. Uh, I can just imagine they end up with Skittles everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everywhere. Uh, when, Wendy, what are you drinking? I'm drinking Truly. I kind of hate Truly, but it's the only thing I have right now. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I do want to talk about the fact that there is a long history of gay sports romances. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned this to a colleague that I was going to be talking on this podcast and talking about gay sports romance. And he just like was so tickled over it. It was funny. But he asked me, he's like, have you ever read The Front Runner? And I'm like, no, what is The Front Runner? (laughs) Well, The Front Runner, which was written in 1974 by Patricia Nell Warren, was basically the first contemporary gay novel to achieved both mainstream commercial and critical success. And it was about a running coach and a star athlete. Hmm. And weirdly coincidental, the running coach went to go work in a small college after he got into some hot water at Penn State. Oh, yeah. That, Strangely. Uh, that, uh, but, that sounds like a little bit too real. Yeah. But but ultimately, an athlete leaves University of Oregon where he got kicked – well, actually got kicked out of the program because he was gay – at the University of Oregon, and goes and wants to work with this guy at this small college. And it, like, my friend was like, this was, like, 
the coming of age story. It's the thing he read when he was figuring out he was gay when he was in his teens. Hmm. So I was like, okay, it's on my list of things to read. It's interesting. And it, actually, I was re- looking it up on on Wikipedia. I'm like, this looks like a really good book. I have to read this. So put it on the list. There are a lot of gay sports romances out there, and they've been around for a long time. Here are my final thoughts about this book. I wanted Jamie. I think he's adorable, and I wish I had him. <laughs> I want. So does Holly. I want to hug Wes like all the time, and I want to be Janie's mom. Who? Oh my god, had, she was so great. She only had like four lines, but she stole the fucking show when she gave them both his and his handmade mugs. And then they were like, Mom, why did you do that? And she was like, you could have put their name on it. And she was like, but that wouldn't amuse me. (laughs) And I was like, I'm you. I want to be you. I want to be you 100%. This is my life now. That's who I am. Or her Facebook. I laughed out loud at her Facebook post. So Jamie comes out as gay to his family. Oh, my God. That was so funny. I see some Doritos behind you. Go to Whole Foods, honey. (laughs) Like, I, that was so great. Like, I was like, oh, my God, that is so on brand for you as a character. Yeah. Like, and also, the dad was like, your dad forgot his Facebook login. <laughs> but he says he loves you no matter what, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> that was well, so, what's funny so about funny. is Jamie's like, oh, I just, I knew that they'd discuss it. So I, I messaged them on Facebook before we went shopping. <laughs> and Wes is just so petrified. He's like, oh, what the heck is going about to happen to Jamie? <laughs> yeah, he wants to, like, be there. And then it's, like, all of this delightful, like, yeah. like oh, I... The brother's being like, I, I owe you 20 bucks because I said he was, like, was love struck, love struck or something. No, you said it was a girl. <laughs> That's so funny. Any, any um, last There were some really tacky lines in here, so I just wanted to show the, share them. Okay. Um, <laughs> one of them is the part in which... Uh, He's talking about how much James, how much he loves coaching. And he's like, if I could compare the little satisfaction I get from stopping a goal to the pride I feel teaching someone like Mark Kilfeather to become a better Coley. No, a better man. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I was like, oh my God, that's one for the Hallmark channel. (laughs) This is two women trying to write about Uh, ideal masculinity. Ideal masculinity. Mm -hmm. Um, I also liked, there is this line. You're really selling it to me then. He's trying to, Wes is trying to explain being gay. His grin is wily. There are benefits. Yeah, hit me. What's good about being gay? I nudge him back under the table. Well, dicks. He says, obs. 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 (laughs) (laughs) I was like, wow, okay, all right, the... Uh, that's a great line. Also, the fact that uh, Wes has a degree in, in communications, <laughs> like every jock on the planet. Yes. I also thought that was hilarious. That's so great. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you have any final thoughts, Catherine? Well, you guys all know, I'm like, I recommended this. I've reread this book a few times because I like to reread books, mm-hmm. like, way too often, especially when I want to turn my brain off. I don't know. I'm like, now I'm, like, speechless, but... It's just I thoroughly enjoy this book. I do very much agree with you guys. I always felt like this book was a fantasy. And I'm like, if you like it, please read the second book because it is about bringing it back down to reality. And yeah. Listen, we're in romance land. There is no reality. (laughs) 
Well, I think that's what made this not erotica, but romance. It's a fantastical element of their relationship in which it's very cutesy. and It builds at one point romantic tension between the two different characters, but at the same time it, like, builds this fantasy of that they truly are for each other yeah. mm-hmm. and that there is no one else, yes. right? Which is a big part of the romance genre, right? Mm-hmm. But I do think, I might read the next one. I thought, like, the characters were, I thought Jamie was very endearing. Wes, I wish he was a little bit more damaged from his experiences, but maybe that comes out in the second book, right? I'm trying to think. I imagine that Wes's issue with the fact that Jamie is bisexual, not gay, is probably going to show up again. Because that wasn't particularly resolved. Well, yeah. I mean, he kind of makes a thing out of it. But I also feel like Wes also, his sexuality is a place of self-hating. Yeah. In some I way. mean. And I think that that doesn't come out enough in his relationship with his partner, right? He's very much good at communicating with Jamie, which I didn't feel was quite on brand with the weird his previous relationships, that he was a fuckboy and he didn't want to be giving of himself. Yeah. I think that's more of a challenge in the second book. Both of them communicating and then also dealing with different issues. It is going into those deeper things that we're all commenting on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also they don't really communicate in this book. There's a lot of like emotional vulnerability and there's a lot of thinking within their own heads, but the one thing I remember was like Jamie, when he was having issues with like Wes, he talked it out with Holly. He did not go to yes. Wes. And I think that's a recurring thing that they got he, they got to learn how to do. Yeah. And by the way, the second book is called Us, just because we haven't mentioned the name of the title. Yeah. yeah. So, and there's just one more book. There's not. Yeah. And then, and then there's a couple spinoffs that are straight romances. Um, also. That in- involve characters that have, like I said, really handsome men with puppies <sighs> on the, <laughs> Why? on the cover. Why do I not have that book? <laughs> and perhaps some hockey sticks. <laughs> hockey sticks. Torso plus object of their profession. And, and a dog. A, and, and a and dog. dog. That's the best. PPS. Final, final thought. Two ripped dudes having a postcoital cuddle is like the cutest thing. I've ever heard. <laughs> They're like sitting mm-hmm. together with their in their twin bed going, I just want to cuddle. I'm like, oh my God, I love you so much. Oh, when they pull down the mattresses. Yes. Onto the floor. <sighs> oh, so they can be gathering. Oh, oh, really oh my God. There's so many cute moments. Oh, this can't. Like really I don't know. It's just, you know, current climate. It's a little hard to swallow with all of this, like, positive experiences going on. But I just really want to be their friend. (laughs) And I want to celebrate their relationship. (laughs) So so needless to say, my second sports recommendation, Mm -hmm. because the last one was it can, it it had to be you. This one was a. Definitely. Actually, I I like this book a lot more. (laughs) Definite winner. This book, almost without a doubt, has almost zero consent issues. Yes. With the exception, I will say that the whole... The STD testing after they've spent an entire summer together (laughs) was a little bit of a... You guys didn't think of that earlier? But they used used protection before the STD. That was like, hey, we don't have to use condoms anymore. 
I love that yeah. moment in romances where they go, hey, we don't have to use condoms anymore. <laughs> it's always nice to see protection in books, mm-hmm. right? Like, and like descriptions of consent. I mean, even earlier in the book, there's kind of that with Holly as well, right? As a romantic. I think Wes's big challenge, I guess, as a final thought, was what their initial thing was that's the only time where consent felt a little iffy. Yeah. Because he felt like he seduced Jamie. With, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't. It, like, if you read through it as a, you know. It, no. But he he felt like he was, because he was keeping something about himself. Yeah. Separate. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's definitely, like, um, another layer of, like, a more subtle term of consent. Not just, like, yeah. do you want to do it, yes or no. It's like, I'm holding back something. Which is, which yeah. is good. Yay for consent. Yeah, I really enjoyed this book. I Pride has been the whole month, and I have been, like, oscillating between human beings are awful, and I want them all to die, and also human beings are beautiful beings that just need to be themselves. (laughs) Just, I guess, just as a closing thought, one of the things I did when I was in D.C., and I was kind of feeling bad about what was in the news and some of the stuff that had come through. And I took a night off and I skipped an event that I heard was really awesome that Alana went to, but I skipped it. It would have been kind of, yeah, it was good, but yeah. It would have, it might have been triggering for me because of yeah. some past stuff that had happened for me. Yeah. Uh, so instead I, I made a choice and I walked the entire National Mall and watching all the people walk around And yes, there were tourists from other countries, but a lot of the people speaking foreign languages from all over, you could tell actually lived in the U.S. And you saw people of all colors, you saw all types of families, you saw people speaking different languages, different generations, and just walking that whole mall and watching these people explore D.C. and then sitting on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial may have been one of the best things I have ever done for me to feel better about our country and feel better knowing that this is why we are awesome. Like all these people out on this mall and the things we can do. And so even when things don't, aren't going the way we like it, I'm trying to remember that as long as I'm being active and I'm willing to stand up and to rise up such as they did in Stonewall, it's temporary and we can continue to make it better. Catherine, (laughs) why are you trying to make me cry? (laughs) I might have been tearing up on the the mall. Yeah, that was beautiful. And I have nothing to contribute other than I am moved by it. All right. So do we want to just skip rant yeah. this time? Because we're at an hour. Yeah, 20. we got yeah. to wrap this up. Okay, hang on. So next month we are going to Beauty and the Beast yes. retelling, which is one of our favorite genres. <laughs> and Catherine gave us a rack, which we are going to read next, called To Pleasure a Prince by Sabrina Jeffries. Which I have and not it's, read. Uh, it's, it's got, um, this copy has uh, a bare back. I want a nightgown that looks like that. And a lady in a nightgown. Okay. And here's the back. Beautiful lady Regina Tremaine has turned down so many suitors that she's called the Belle Dame Sans Mercy. (laughs) 
I don't even know if that's right. The truth. She won't marry because she carries a dark secret. She sees no good reason, however, why her brother shouldn't court the lovely Louisa North. Even if the girl's brother and a notorious dragon Viscount. 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 Objects. Marcus North, bastard son of the Prince of Wales, is rumored to be a monster who holds women captive in his dark castle to have his way with them. He has been exiled from polite society for years, but when Lady Regina makes a plea on her brother's behalf, Marcus proposes an outrageous deal. Her brother can court Louisa as so long as Marcus can court Regina. Can Beauty and the Beast survive a proper courtship when the devastatingly improper passion between them threatens to cause the scandal of a century? I am jumping up and down right now. I'm so excited. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's yes, got it's yes, got basically yes, a duke yes. in it, and it's also got like a duke, Beauty and the Beast type. Beauty and the Beast, uh, well, Regency, stuck in a place. He's probably a recluse. I love recluses. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's probably emotionally scarred, which I know I you love. love like the emotionally is he physically tortured. scarred too? I also love that. He is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he he grows a beard on purpose. Oh I'm so excited. And this is like the nice. perfect like palate cleanser from like thinking about like gay culture within society that we have. You know, like, yeah, this is right back into the fantastical, fantastical. world of, of fake regency. Yes. You know, this is like the the epic the the summit of fantasticalness. <laughs> Love it! Thank you, Catherine. We need you to do more You're wrecks, welcome. more wrecks all the time. Yes. Well, you mentioned it. I'm like, give me a moment. I can go upstairs. I think I have three different Beauty and the Beast books. Catherine's like, hold my beer. <laughs> I know Catherine is like the MVP of guests on this. Like she's the, like the one person who's yeah. like, oh yeah, and have you read this? Have you read this? Everyone else is like, we have a lot of people where this is their first romance yeah. novel, and they're like, ever. this is weird. They don't know how to respond. <laughs> yeah, they're like, who are all these lairds? It's kind of like how Sherlock is like good at stuff, but Sherlock has a brother that's like way better. But his brother is not, like, there most of the time. It's just, like, there whenever Sherlock wants to, like, check in with him. You're basically Sherlock's brother, is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, thank you, Catherine, for being on our show again. Yeah. Oh, it was fun. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening to Getting Lit, available monthly on iTunes. For extra bonus features for this episode... You can visit gwenwendy.com slash s3ep5, where you can also read more about Wendy. You can follow Alana on Twitter at librarianlana, and you can also follow Catherine on Twitter at, at kvmacy. What's the best type of romance? The novel, emotionally Wendy? scarred Stockholm Syndrome, Beauty of the Beast. <laughs> <laughs> That is so, that is hilarious. <laughs> and trashy. Oh my god. <laughs> nice. Vienna Lana's podcast. Wendy and Lana's podcast. Get literary, get literary. Woo!